If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. These students actually think about things differently and they can contribute in ways that the robotic students had never thought about before and then came up with really cool ideas for the different robots. So they learned a lot from the students with special needs. We've seen the first robotics competitions where high school students come together with robots they've crafted in a competition sporting type event. But Unified Robotics takes that one step further. In 2015, then high school student Delaney Foster created this groundbreaking program where students with and without special needs can collaborate on the creation of robots for a competition. Since then, her Washington-based nonprofit has partnered with the Special Olympics and has grown to include a number of schools beyond the local area. Delaney, before we get to talking about this incredibly cool robotics club you created, Unified Robotics, how did you first fall in love with robotics and know that this was what you wanted to make your life's work? I was in high school when I first became interested in robotics. My high school had a first robotics competition team, and I learned a little bit about it from a STEM teacher of mine my freshman year of high school, and it was just initially intrigued in a robotics team, a robotics competition. I've always been into sports, and hearing that you can have STEM and sports kind of merge into one was very intriguing to me. Growing up, I've always definitely had more of a math and science kind of mind. So I knew I wanted to do something within STEM. And my initial step into robotics was through my high school robotics team. So once I heard about it, I joined the team and absolutely loved it. I became very dedicated with the robotics program at my school. By the time I was a senior, I was leading the team. And that just kind of set me off in my interest in robotics, and then going to college, decided to study mechanical engineering. This looks like an absolute blast. I've had the pleasure of seeing some first robotics competitions down here, and wow, enough to make me jealous they didn't have it when I was in school. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. It's very addicting. (laughs) How did you first come to create Unified Robotics? So some background. I have a sister who's a year and a half older than me, but we were in the same year in school and she's diagnosed with autism. So I have been heavily involved in the special needs community here in Seattle for a long time, for pretty much my entire life, and friends with a lot of her friends and know a lot about the community. And I started to notice that once these students get into high school, a lot of their like social opportunities start to dwindle as well as their educational opportunities. And as I got really into robotics in high school, there was never any opportunity for my sister and her friends to be involved in an after-school sport like robotics. And so I kind of saw that gap in our educational system and like after-school activities and decided to basically approach my high school robotics team to see if they were willing to help me start a robotics program for my sister and her friends. And so 
My team was interested in helping me out and start this robotics program for high school students with special needs. So just that initial season, both my sister and I were seniors in high school, and we basically just generated interest in this school's special education program. And I had a lot of personal connections with her and her friends and started out just in one school where we paired up the students on my robotics team with students in the special ed department at the high school and together in teams of about two to six students they built Lego Mindstorm robots and then over a course of six weeks and then had a competition at the end. It was really important for us that all of the teams were equally partnered with students in the special department and then students on the robotics team to just have that one-on-one interaction and collaboration so that it wasn't the students on the robotics team necessarily like teaching and coaching the students with special needs. We really wanted them to understand that they're peers and that they're equals and that they can build the robot together. In fact, what did the students on the robotics teams learn that were some of the most valuable lessons for them from the students with special needs as they work together? I mean, that's an excellent question. I think when I was approaching developing this program, I thought it was like I only viewed at the benefit for the people with special needs and not really the benefit for the people on the robotics team. But after going through that first season, that first year, I realized that the students on the robotics team, I think, are learning a lot more and growing a lot more than the students in the special ed program. And that's because these two groups of people in school systems never really interact with each other. And the Students on the robotics team are really high achieving STEM focused students who have a very clear definition of what they believe success is. And that is like winning the competition or being the best engineer. And success for people with special needs looks a lot different. And I think they kind of learned through this experience that success for anybody looks differently. And they learned that these students have a lot more skills than they had stereotyped them to have. And that I think it's, when you think of students with intellectual disabilities, it's easy to put them in a box and just assume that they can't do anything and that they don't have any abilities. But what all of the students on the robotics team have learned is how much ability these students actually have. And they think about things differently and they can produce really meaningful work and can contribute in ways that, and think in ways that the robotic students have never thought about before and came up with really cool ideas for the different robots. So they learned a lot from the students with special needs. Tell me about some of the coolest ideas you saw that first season that they came up with. There were a lot, I mean, every team built a robot and Some teams came up with like really cool, like flipper ideas for the robots. And basically a lot of the cool ideas came from game strategy and how they think that they could beat the other opponent and push them out of the ring. But then not every team's goal was to build a robot. There was one student who had some dexterity challenges and 
for her, her goal was to basically build a string of gears and spin them and kind of see what that chain reaction looks like. And so for her, just putting two pieces of Legos together was a huge, huge challenge that took weeks to overcome. And when she finally got two pieces of Lego together, it was a huge celebration. And like the joy on her face and her partner's face was just absolutely unbelievable. And I think it's experiences like those that really changed the hearts of these students. Goes right back to what you were saying about success looks different to everyone on those teams. Mm -hmm. Take me back in your imagination, would you, to that competition. If there were one moment that stood out that you may tell your grandkids about 50 years from now, what would that be? I think it's the the faces of the students when their robots are competing. And these matches, they're only about a minute long, if that. They're really quick and it's really exciting. And a lot of high school students with special needs don't have a lot of opportunities to accomplish something on their own without like help and assistance from someone else and like actually have ownership and pride over something that they have done. And so seeing like their reaction to something that they've worked really hard on over a long period of time and watching the competition unfold and watching their robot compete, just the pride that they feel. And you can see it on their faces when they get super excited about their robot and how it's performing. I think that's the most impactful thing for me. What an incredible gift to give anybody. What was your sister's reaction to getting to compete? She loved the competition. She's very, very social. She's not interested in STEM as much, but for her, Unified Robotics was a huge gift in making friends. And so, like I said, like everybody has different things that they take out of Unified Robotics. And for her, it was the friendships. And those friendships have continued to this day. And she she just had a blast with everybody watching her robot compete. She felt a lot of pride. She just loved the attention of all of it. And she has continued to compete in competitions to this day, but she was there in that original competition six years ago. And just for her, she's just very thankful for the friendships that have come from it. It sounds absolutely amazing. Now, I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, that after that first pilot season, you became part of the Special Olympics. Do I have that correct? We partnered with Special Olympics, yes. That initial season, and for the championship just within the high school, we invited different news sources and just kind of got the word out about this program, and that generated a ton of interest both FIRST Robotics and Special Olympics thought that this was a great idea and have partnered with us in helping the program grow now immensely throughout Washington State, but then also throughout other states and pretty soon internationally. Wow. As of right now, how many schools, how many states, and where internationally is this growing? Every season's different, and this past season was unique because we made it virtual for the safety of our participants. 
So it's hard to have a concrete number on how many schools and how many states. In general, how many states have participated in robotics over the past three, four years has been seven states. This past year, we had four states participating just because a lot of states had troubles making it virtual because of COVID. Within Washington state, we have had nearly 50 teams competing at each year with a great turnout for our virtual season. We've focused a lot on growing it within Washington state and then have helped try to support other states in their growth. And then for internationally, we have had the UAE has started a team two years ago and have been participating ever since, but they have their own competition within the UAE. And then we've generated a lot of interest in Greece. Actually, just before COVID hit, I was planning on going to Greece this past spring to meet with the Minister of Sports and Education there to help them start developing how to get a countrywide program growing. But unfortunately, because of COVID and restrictions in international travel, we weren't able to go. But we have hope that they will continue to start planning to grow the program in Greece. Fingers crossed, and that's on hold for now, but not permanently. Where are we right now with the season? What's going to be happening in the new school year with Unified Robotics, and what can people expect? Yeah, so this past, the competition every year is in the fall, usually goes from September to the end of November. And so this past fall, we held it virtually. And right now, it's mostly just the planning committee is working together to figure out what is it going to look like this fall? Are we going to have it virtual again? Are we going to have it in person? And just start working with the schools for them to start promoting it because a big challenge is getting the students interested and signed up to get involved since the program starts right in September, as soon as school starts. It's important to do a lot of the like recruiting and the planning and the marketing in the spring. And then typically throughout the summer, we'll have summer camps and demos just to get people excited and to also encourage year-long collaboration between the robotics team and the special education department because those friendships that they make in their six week build season, we want them to continue those relationships throughout the entire year. What if the teacher right now is listening? Let's say they're not in the Washington area. What if they're maybe in California or something? How do they get their school involved if they'd like to? Yes, great question. We have a website called unifiedrobotics.org. And on there has a lot of information about what Unified Robotics is. It has a guidebook for how to start a program. And then it also has a contact us page. And we would recommend that a teacher or a student or anybody who hears this and thinks it's a great idea goes onto the contact us page and sends us a message just connecting with us. And we would be more than happy to set up a virtual meeting to talk about what are the next steps? How can you do this? If you'd want to connect with your local Special Olympics or your local FIRST Robotics, or if you wanted to do it independently, we can help navigate all of that and how to start the program. But 
starting the program within your school is pretty easy. You just need to go through all of the the rules for setting up a club within a high school and then getting the usually the special education department lead or a special education teacher on board and the robotics team coach if your school has a robotics team on board and just coordinating when can we meet and making sure you have the supplies and there's ways if you reach out to us to rent supplies especially if you're in Washington state and so that you don't have to purchase the robotics kits but we're also willing to help you fundraise to get the funding for those kits and but all of that information is on our website unifiedrobotics.org and when you say willing to help you fundraise of course these are lego mindstorms great product but not exactly inexpensive what kind of fundraising do you do to get the funds for the schools a lot of it is reaching out to sponsors one of our biggest sponsors is Microsoft. Within Washington, we have a lot of sponsors, so we can help connect them with their local companies who would be willing to sponsor, as well as we have some funds saved for things like this through our own local sponsorships. Suppose a parent is listening. It's common for parents to say, I'm a first robotics parent. I haven't seen my kid in six weeks. What if a parent's listening and has a student with special needs who's going to get involved in this? What can they expect? Yes, they, I think for parents, it is awesome to encourage your students, whether it is a student with special needs or a student on the robotics team, to start a program like this if your school doesn't have it. And if it does have it, to get involved. It's typically schools only meet the robotics season is six weeks and the teams only meet once or twice a week for about an hour, hour and a half after school. It totally depends on the availability of the students, how much time commitment they have to it, and how long it takes them to build their robot. But it's generally not that big of a time commitment. So if you're a parent worried that you're you're never going to see your kid, that's not an issue. <laughs> but I would say I think it's really important to encourage students to get involved in a program like this, especially a lot of pushback that we've gotten from parents is the parents of students with special needs. They think that their child is not able to participate in a robotics program. Um, a lot of parents who don't have experience in robotics, because at least at the high school level, it's generally pretty new. They don't really know what that means, like to have a robotics team or a robotics competition. And they think that that their student wouldn't be able to do that or that their student wouldn't be interested in it. And so I would just really push back on that and realize that no matter what abilities your child has, they would be able to meaningfully participate in a unified robotics team, because that is the way that we've set this up is so that people of all abilities are able to meaningfully participate. And it looks different for every student. And that's what's awesome about Lego is there's flexibility. You know, my sister, she can't read, but the the step-by-step instructions from Lego doesn't have words. So she didn't need to read in order to build her Lego. And the programming of it is a drag and drop system. So there was no words that she needed to know in order to code her robot. But then also if you have a really advanced student 
the Legos, you know, they have no ceiling. And that's what's awesome about that. You can be super creative and build something. You don't need to follow the directions. You can, there's a lot of flexibility in using your skills to build your robot. I'm hearing it doesn't make you feel bad if there's something that you maybe could not do. But if you are very advanced, it's not going to bore the daylights out of you either. You're going to be very creative and have a lot of fun with this. What do you need most in terms of support for unified robotics right now? How can people help? I would say the thing we need the most is more teams signing up. I think our goal is to eventually have a nationwide competition and it's kind of modeling after how FIRST Robotics works with the state competitions and then a nationwide competition. And so right now, we're pretty stacked in Washington State. If you live in Washington and you want to get involved, please reach out to us. We've got tons of resources for getting you started. And if you're in any other state and you want, say it's a state that doesn't even have unified robotics, you want to bring it to your state. It might seem like a lofty goal, but it's not hard. And we would love to help and support you in any way that we can. Tell me about your sister. What were the effects on her and what is she doing today? My sister, she will, I'll start with where she's at today. She's currently living independently, which is the big step that she took about two years ago. And she, before COVID, was able to get a job in a retirement home working bussing tables and working in the kitchen, which is a job that she loves because she's very social and she really wanted to have a job where she can interact with people. So she knows all of the people there and their names and their orders and is loving that. But because of COVID, especially working at a retirement home, her job has been put on pause. So she has not had a job for this past year, but is staying active by connecting with friends virtually and getting involved in community programs. She's involved in community drama and parks and rec, and she participated in the virtual unified robotics season this past fall, which she loved. The impact that unified robotics had on Kendall is the friendships that she made through the program, their friendships that she still has to this day. And then she's checking in with them and calling them and, And another big aspect of it was the fact that she was able to accomplish something on her own. My sister really struggles with motivation and she gives up really easily. And through the partnership that she had on her team, she was encouraged not to to give up. And her partner had to be really creative in trying to figure out ways to get my sister engaged and interested in what she was doing and just a fun story is her partner was having a hard time trying to get Kendall motivated to program her robot and so one day she came to the meeting and she had a new idea and she asked my sister if she liked to train her dog and my sister said yes she loves training our dog and so she then framed programming a robot very similar to training a dog. And she explained that in order to get the robot to do what you want it to do, you need to train it. And she like walked her through how to program her robot as if she was training a dog. And first of all, it was like kudos for her partner. She was so creative in figuring out ways to get Kendall engaged. But 
it's just having something that she was able to accomplish was a really big deal, especially in high school. And so that's had a lasting impact on her. I love that creative idea about training a dog. I've heard coding described as a language for people that are scared of coding. I've not heard of it described as training a dog before, but I absolutely love it. What about job skills? You mentioned on your website that if Kendall had been told earlier, you can, you can, she might be a programmer today. What are you seeing where you work in terms of people with differing abilities and job opportunities for them at places like Microsoft? Yeah, well, I think that this program is giving students with special needs a lot of STEM opportunity. And I think the biggest impact that I've seen through people that I have personally known that have gone through the program is they didn't know that they were interested in STEM before doing unified robotics. One of the students from that first year, he, from unified robotics, got the skills and discovered his interest in STEM and is now in a program at Georgia Tech in his third year. And we've seen that kind of over and over again, where it's just, this is sparking interest in people that didn't have the interest in it before because they were never told that they could build robots. And they, you know, have over and over again been told that they can't do things. And so they are very hesitant in starting new things because they don't have the confidence to learn and to take on challenges. And then I think, you know, starting at a younger age, getting involved in STEM, I believe we'll be seeing that trickle into industry very soon. At Microsoft, a few years ago, they set up a neurodiverse hiring program where they've basically changed the way that they do the interviews for their hiring in order to allow people with disabilities to be more successful in the interviews and not be weeded out because of a disability that they had that doesn't actually impact the way that they would work. So at Microsoft, I've seen great strides to seek out those specific skills in people who have different abilities. And I know that a lot of other tech companies are also starting to look at that, realizing that, you know, the social skill of trying to get through an interview isn't actually important in the work that they produce. And you can find a lot of talent in hiring people with disabilities. On the flip side of it, those are for people who have you know, great skills in those fields. My sister is someone who, you know, she never surpassed like first, second grade level in any field of academics. And she doesn't have splinter skills like a lot of people stereotype autism to have. And so for her, she doesn't actually have the ability to be a programmer at a company like Microsoft. But there are a ton of companies who are starting to realize that there are jobs that they can hire people with a wide range of abilities for. And so I see at Microsoft, kind of on my day-to-day, pre-COVID, a lot of people with different abilities working in different jobs. And my sister has interviewed for a job at Microsoft, setting up presentation rooms. Unfortunately, she didn't get the job. But the fact that they are just trying to find jobs for people like my sister amazes me. And I just hope that more companies start focusing on that. 
I think that there's a lot of opportunities for people with a variety of different disabilities, and it's just important to be including them. In fact, you've already told me that your sister has a skill that a lot of us lack. She remembers names. She remembers people. She's very social, very outgoing, which is not necessarily a skill everybody has. Finally, Delaney, the signature question for my podcast is if people could only get one thing from you about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you want them to take away from the work you're doing? I would want them to reach out to people in their community with special needs even if it's not reaching out, to be more empathetic to people around them and understanding that not everybody thinks the way that they think and can act the way that they act. And I think that all of us can grow together if we're more empathetic to people who are different than us. And even in technology and producing technology to realize that not everybody is thinking the same way that you are. So when you are producing technology, you need to make sure that it's inclusive to people with all different abilities. Delaney, thank you for your time today. Yes, thank you. This was an awesome opportunity. You and I have been listening to Delaney Foster, founder of Washington-based nonprofit Unified Robotics. Find out more about getting your local school involved at unifiedrobotics.org. That's unifiedrobotics.org. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X. And you can contact us, twomavericks, at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.